This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. There we go. Hello and welcome back to the City Report podcast. I am Erlin Harland. God, that's throwing me off. I am Julian <laughs> Alvarez. <laughs> what a strike duo. How good was that? I mean, it's getting fun now, isn't it, watching these guys play? I, I, I'm going to be disappointed when Erling Haaland... I'm not Erling Haaland, I'm Amos Murphy, and that's Adam Booker. But it's going to be annoying when he doesn't score a hat-trick and he just gets two against Villa on Saturday. Yeah, I think we'll probably have to consider another number nine option if it's not a hat-trick every week. Because now that's... It's like, um, it's like when a husband or wife leaves the other one and they can get like a certain amount of money because they're used to a certain yeah. standard of living. That's what I'm at now. If Erling Holland were to ever leave, we're rightfully owed like the ne- yeah. the next Ronaldo, original Ronaldo, uh, yeah. because we are yeah. used to a certain standard of living at this point. Yeah, I mean, how do you how do you move on from that? But we don't have to move on from that, hopefully, for a very long time. Um, obviously, this is the City Report podcast. We are not two of City's most potent attackers. We're just two regular guys here to run through what on earth happened at the SES Stadium on Wednesday night. We're aiming, Adam. We're, we're going to aim for an un- under an hour. But if it's anything like the added time that's played at Anfield, then we could be here for I don't know an hour and a half, two hours, because uh, it seems like it just gets a little bit a little bit extra time if you're from Merseyside. Well, we'll just be here until Liverpool scores, however long it yeah. may take. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a decent approach. I mean, we'll get straight into it because quite a few things to speak about today, um, but obviously starting at, at the Etihad, another victory for Manchester City, this time 
not as much jeopardy involved as it has been the last couple of weeks. I mean, it was it was fairly calm, bar a Ren and Lodi header in the first half, a, a pretty rudimentary evening, but obviously another hat-trick for Erling Haaland. And I said last time, we're contractually obliged to start with him, so here we go. W- what else do you say? What 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 more can we say that hasn't been said? What more can anyone else say that hasn't been said? What What more can we add to the conversation? Is there anything else to add to the conversation? Um, there's plenty to add to the conversation. I just want to start though, before I get onto Holland, I just want to start by saying the lack of jeopardy in the game was so important for me to see city come out with a fully controlled methodical performance. And obviously they ran up the score, but it was, they were fully in control the whole time. They could have gone up one nil and passed the ball and around in a circle and finished the game one nil. It was, it was that mm. easy. And that's what I was hoping for. And I put a tweet out before the game saying, you know, we know the goals are going to come. The big thing for me is not going a goal behind, not going two goals behind, not having to fight back into a game because we said last week that it's important to not make that a habit. Yes, it's exciting. Yes, it's good to yeah. see that city can come from behind now, but let's do it as little as possible. Um, so that is the biggest takeaway for me from this game is the control. Um, but with Erling Holland, I mean, what's great is we're seeing exactly what we were missing. He's, he's obviously a fantastic player and can score goals all by himself because he is such an unbelievable talent. But the thing that's so awesome for me is we're seeing exactly what we were missing in somebody who is just in the right place at the right time. That is exactly what City have been missing for two or three years now. And if you look yeah. at a lot of his goals, you know, they aren't spectacular, but what they are, are are goals that come from his spectacular positioning and his understanding of where the ball is going to fall to, where to put himself in the box when other City players have the ball. Um, and that's exactly what City have been missing. And that's why we're seeing these comebacks and we're seeing games that maybe last year would have been 2 nil and controlled are now running up the score. Um, so yeah, what, what more can you say? Yeah. And, and also someone who wants to score goals, I think two times now he scored a hat trick in, in as many, in as many games. And when he's gone off, he's looked like he's absolutely furious as if city have lost. And he's a person who really enjoys scoring goals. I'm glad you said that because, because I was, I was trying to tweet this at half time, but there wasn't enough characters to sort of properly say what I wanted to say, but it's easy for anyone on, on the outside. I can imagine who's watched, Haaland these last what five games to see the goals he scored tappings at the back post sort of the balls falling to him in, in easy areas there's been some great goals I mean the the, the header against Crystal Palace is one of my favourite goals this season and the 1v1s are, are, are something to behold as well but you watch you watch the goals he's putting in you're like okay yeah anyone can do that but they're the sort of goals City haven't scored the the the, the Chances have been created. The balls have been put in those areas. But when you've got someone like Raheem Sterling, Gabriel Jesus, and this is not a sort of me sort of shitting on what they've done for City in the past two years or so, but they're just not that sort of player in those positions that they offer different sort of qualities. And and I mean, you'll have to do a lot of the the legwork here because we are recording on the night of the game. uh, And I was at the stadium, of course, so I've not properly been able to digest. But was it his first touch Haaland scored? today i think i, can't, I, I can't think remember. it was yeah the the, yeah. the the commentary team was speculating i didn't go and check but i'm pretty sure it was and if it wasn't it wasn't exactly like he was 
racking up them beforehand. And that's, again, we're repeating it, repeating it, repeating it. That's exactly what he's there to do. He could have five touches in a game, but he could easily score three goals. And, I mean, it, it's getting to the point now where you're looking towards the records. And I don't want to sort of... It, we're only in August, but we're only in August. And, and that's where we sort of are, really, isn't it? It's, what, nine goals from five games. He's on, I mean, he's on pace for 68, I believe. <laughs> the record is 34 so he's on pace to double yeah. it yeah I mean I said I said when he arrived I didn't think he'd he'd break the record in the first season you know that's obviously looking a little bit unlikely but what I will add is uh, and I'm going to hear I'm going to be the usual Mancunian and sort of get everyone down a little bit but Champions League is around the corner and it's not the Champions League that we've known the last sort of well, forever. It's back-to-back and then there's a gap and it's back-to-back. So it's a condensed period. He's not going to play every minute. If he plays every game, it's not going to be for every minute. And and this sort of, it's, as, as fun as it's been, here we go, hat-trick on, on Saturday against Villa, but you, you don't see it lasting. And, and I think the fact he's got off to this start is so good because if he'd only scored one or two goals by this point, there'd have been not necessarily doubts, but there have been questions hanging over him. You know, is he going to have a slow start? Is it only going to be a, a 15-goal a season um, return for him? But the fact he's done this so early on in the campaign and just sort of silenced any critics that were hanging over after the Charity Shield, for me, is is mightily important. Yeah, it is. And it's worth, it's worth mentioning, and bear with me on this for a second, because I think that some of the doubts about him coming into this season were understandable. And I don't actually think Mm. he squashed any of those doubts. The doubts, at least that I had, not that they were big doubts, but the doubts were, can he drop into midfield and link up? And, and, you know, we had Mm. kind of this image of just sticking Erling Haaland straight into the system that we've played in the last two seasons. And that was where the doubt came in was it's like, can he fit into that? But as we've seen, we've adapted the system so that he doesn't have to do that. He can be more of a penalty box striker, and it's working really well for him. And we're seeing more mm-hmm. early balls into the box and aerial balls and, and balls that in the past wouldn't get played because there's nobody in there. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say he's like you know squashed all of the critics because what the critics said might happen, we're not really getting a chance to see play out. That's not mm-hmm. me doubting him at all. Um, no, no. But it's worth mentioning that City have done well and Pep Guardiola have done well to essentially not put him into not put him in any position where he could potentially fail. We've put him in a position that will get the absolute best out of him and we're seeing the best. Yeah, yeah, spot on. I mean, I, I'm surprised actually. I mean, it, it isn't the sort of system I expected City to start the season with and, and I'm thinking of the likes of the two fullbacks and midfielders at times who've been playing those early balls when when really in, in previous seasons it's been five or six passes before it's arrived at the box. This time it's one. And and that's great. That's that's superb. But the chance of that playing out for what are we, five games in, another thirty three of the Premier League season, hopefully thirteen or so in the Champions League and, and however many other cup competitions is slim. So, you know, yeah, we will bring it back down to earth and we'll go from one incredible striker onto another and, and we can start hyping him hyping him up now as well. Julian Alvarez. We warned you about this guy. I'm sat here like a proud dad watching the sun just flourish and, and with a big smile on my face because DMA, how to make an impact. 
Absolutely. And the two goals were superb. And, and even up to the two goals, he was incredible on the night. And mm. um, he looks like the perfect player to play with Erling Holland because yeah. he's going to do a ton of dirty work. He's going to win the ball back. He's going to pester defenders. He's going to make, you know, he's going to make runs in behind. He'll drop in deep. And, um, you know, there was a lot of times tonight in which City were playing with the two up front. It was weird. I I don't know if you saw because you were at the at the match. Yeah, but so I, I, just talk us through that quickly because because more for my benefit really. But what system did you sort of to see sort of decipher City playing during that during the main period of the game? Well, yeah, it was confusing at first because initially when you saw the starting eleven, you thought right Bernardo Silva straight swap in for Kevin De Bruyne in a midfield with with Gundogan, um, but Bernardo Silva was the widest out on the right. That was easy to pick up. It looked to me almost like a three, two, five is what I would say. Or is that the <laughs> is that the correct numbers there? Uh, but yeah, that'd be that would be ten outfield. Yeah, yeah. It it was almost like a three, two, five. It was Kyle Walker, John Stones, Ruben Diaz at the back, um, uh, and this is obviously extremely fluid. Um, mm. Midfield was obviously Gundogan and Rodri, and then. Cancelo and Foden out very wide on the left, Alvarez and Holland more through the middle, and then Bernardo Silva out wide on the right. Um, so it was a bit confusing. Um, the thing that's worth pointing out is that Kyle Walker was not tucked in anymore. At times when yeah, we would, that. When we would that, push yeah. Forrest back in deep, he would be central but not tucked in he was central in a back three so he was the widest defender of a back three in possession and then when we would come back out of possession it went back into a 4-4-2 um but yeah that's kind of what i took from it but obviously it is so hard to kind of differentiate between the many different kind of systems that we see from city throughout the game because it's so Mm. fluid yeah, yeah. We'll we'll go to a couple of the questions we've had, and um, this is from Balgan saying the formation shots me: Alvarez behind Haaland, Bernardo Silva on the right, Gundogan doing dot 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 what, and a sort of like a, a, a wow what, not necessarily like a what on earth was he doing? Because it was another new sort of not new formation for Gundogan. He's been doing it for bloody years, but a new formation. Oh, sorry, a new position this season. We've seen him deployed in all sorts of positions. Um, just on that, that Alvarez and Haaland link up because. Uh, There'd been a bit of clamour, I suppose, hadn't the post-Palace and obviously going back into pre-season as well, these two new shiny forwards, can they play together? Um, I found it interesting to start off with, and I don't know if this is this was the case or you picked up on it yourself, but Alvarez was sort of almost playing as a 10 at times, I felt. Like he, he was really, really comfortable dropping sort of beyond the, the most advanced midfielder for City. You know, he was picking up the ball in positions, what, 30 even a bit deeper out from goal. And you, you can tell he is an unbelievable talent capable of doing all sorts. We saw that with the finishing. I mean, that second one, DM me, that, that I don't know how on earth he's kept his balance, let alone got it on target. Because if I'm, if I'm picking the ball like that and I'm trying to shoot, I'm, I'm out for eight <laughs> weeks with a broken ankle. It was, it was an unbelievable finish. And, and the first one as well, I think you saw on the replay, Harland, uh, uh, sort of starts off by being frustrated because he's not squared it, then realizes it's gone in, and, and then he's off celebrating as well. 
He's, I mean, Ollie, Ollie, um, who's on the pod quite uh, quite often, said it's a it's an Aguero regen, but I keep saying I, I think it's a little bit more Carlos Tevezy, just the way he's mm. everywhere. He's absolutely everywhere, and obviously there's Aguero traits and and sort of like physically very similar to Aguero, but just that sort of bulldog mentality about him is is unbelievable. Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree with that shout, and and <clears throat> Aguero, it felt like. Um, Maybe not as much in the later years under Pep, um, but in his earlier years at City, it, it felt like he would walk around a lot. And that's not an insult. He yeah. would walk around, walk around, walk around, and then boom, he would dart dart off your shoulder, get in behind and score a goal. And he would do that two or three times a game. Whereas you're right, like, like Tevez, Alvarez is kind of like shoulders to the ground, head down, full mm. sprint for 90 minutes. He does not stop running for 90 minutes. And that is... Mm. Such a great thing as a fan to watch. It's 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 you know a player that looks like they're just going to to leave everything on the pitch and and when you combine that with like Tevez the finishing ability and both of his goals one you know very controlled very classic City goal when that ball played kind of in the half space and behind and then tucked in at the near post and then one where he just lashes it in. It's like we're seeing the best of everything from both of the strikers mm. at this point. And it's, yeah, it's hard to see kind of a weakness in either of their games, especially when they're on the pitch together. And it's like, if this one's not scoring, that one's scoring, if this one's not pressing that, that one's pressing it. If, you know, if he's not tracking back, he's tracking back. It's, it's, yeah, it was an unbelievable duo. And I'm glad that it wasn't, um, Alvarez from the wing. I'm glad to see him kind of central and, and linking up with Holland to see that it works so well. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, uh, going back, I, I can't, it definitely didn't happen at Borussia Dortmund. And, and I'm 90% sure it didn't happen at Salzburg either. But Haaland playing with another centre forward, I suppose if you're talking about doubts, that's potentially one of them. But it, it seems so far to be working really well. And, and those two look, even. Um, I know it was to Foden, he he slipped him uh Haaland's second goal, the, the original shot. Just even that sort of creativity from Erling Haaland as well. And you know, it, it isn't just about him. Um as, as much as he does enjoy scoring goals, he is more than happy to create, as we've seen a number of times. Um as for the other sort of talking points from this game, I, I don't think there's much else to say apart from City are really good. Forrest are not going to have their season judged on that. I mean, they had some, they were making some noise in the away end. They had a nice day out. It was probably what most of them expected. Although, if they're fearing the worst, that that's probably what they expect, and, and they were maybe have been dreaming of a smash and grab, one one draw or, or one no win or something like that. But but yeah, I mean, what did you make of Forest quickly? They they're gonna be fine for me, I think. I know you tipped them for your you sort of um, what was it? You sort of shock of the season um, when we did the preview pod. I think they'll maybe in, be in a little bit of a relegation scrap, but I, I don't think there's any major issues they should be worrying about. Yeah, I think they'll be fine. I mean, we pointed out on the last episode that they aren't scoring the goals, which could be an issue for them. But um, my biggest takeaway from the way that City dealt with Forrest was the fact that we didn't allow any counterattacks. And Forrest have a mm. lot of pace going forward. You know, Brennan Johnson, yeah. Renan Lodi, guys like that. Um, and I thought City did a much better job of nullifying any sort of threat going the other way than they have in recent games. Um so that for me is the biggest plus. Uh, the Holland hat trick is great. Alvarez, you know, finally getting some goals, mm. great. But that was the biggest plus was to see 
City, control the game, nullify the opponent, totally smother them in their own half. Um, you know, we saw John Stones winning the ball back like deep in the forest yeah. half. That that's yeah. that's what has been lacking from the first few games of this season, and I'm glad to see that back because that is um, very good news. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've mentioned his name there. Final point on the Forest game, John Stones. There's a reason he's nicknamed the Barnsley Beckenbauer because he is as classy a footballer as you're ever likely to see. I think it was. Well, what way was City kicking? It was towards the family stand, so it would have been in the second half. There's a moment on the right-hand side where he comes across to cover a ball in the channel and, and any other defender in world football plays it out, but he sort of does a, a sort of like, not a step over, but like a sort of shimmy he, and drops I, he, his shoulder. He, he, he Cruyff-turned Brennan Johnson, I think. Yeah, yeah. It, it was spectacular, wasn't it? And I mean, do you remember when he signed for City, there was that nonsense from the Everton fans saying, you know, he's going to concede a goal. He, and, and I think there was probably a few mistakes along the way, but he is... I hate the term Rolls Royce, but he genuinely is that sort of caliber, isn't he? He's he was great against Palace, and tonight he was just sublime. Yeah, he doesn't make the mistakes anymore. There, there was a fair few mistakes in, early on in his his city days, but it's also worth mentioning that early on in his city days was when we played this like insane swashbuckling mm. all out attack with almost no I'll cover. Try to. Yeah, yeah, with almost even even in the twenty seventeen eighteen season in which we you know, won the league with a hundred points. That back four was so much more um, vulnerable than the back fours of the last couple of years. Um, Mm. They just dealt with it. All right. But um, he's, he's had the benefit of, of the games being much more controlled and having a lot less come his way. But when he does have things come his way, you're right. He's, he's as calm and cool as he needs to be. And um, yeah, he's, he's, I, I heard somebody, I think it was Gab Marcotti on, on ESPN FC yesterday talking about the uh, Akanji signing, which we're going to come on to, um, basically saying that he's of a similar level to John Stones, who's kind of your run-of-the-mill uh, Champions League level defender. My jaw hit the floor because I think John Stones would be a, a holding midfielder for most, le- most teams in this league. <laughs> he's that good with the ball at his feet. Um, so, yeah, I've got nothing but, but high praises to sing for John Stones, especially after tonight. Yeah, and it's so good to see because obviously you go back a couple of years and and there was a lot of chatter. In fact, I'm pretty sure City were prepared to let him go. Um, Eric Garcia then left or or didn't sign a new contract and City were sort of forced into keeping him around just for numbers. And he's absolutely flourished. That 2020-2021 season is is one of the best I can remember on record um, in terms of of performance. And yeah, he's just a class act and and it's great to see. It's really, really nice to see because he looks like a lovely lad too. Um, Right, moving along, like I said, plenty to get through. Aston Villa on the weekend then, football's coming thick and fast. Stephen Gerrard, there are sort of all sorts of tweets that have been knocking around the last couple of weeks comparing Gerrard's record as a manager with uh, Gary Gary Neville at Valencia and the sort of car crash that was and and other managers too who haven't had the greatest of times. Another defeat for for Aston Villa today on on the day recording on on the midweek game against Arsenal. I have not seen anything about that game. Aston Villa could have been superb. They could have been woeful. So I'm not going to comment on the performance there but they're having a little bit of a rough time of it you pick them to finish seventh now plenty can happen but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's probably not going to happen at the moment um 
they're not looking great at the moment, are they? Which would, would sort of add up to a superb performance on Saturday evening when City head to Villa Park. Yeah, they have not been great. And just <clears throat> on that Arsenal game today, they weren't good. Uh, they only lost right. 2-1, but they were... Uh, their Arsenal quintupled their shots and trebled their shots <laughs> on target. So That's one for the celebration, please, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so not a good day out for the villains at the Emirates. Um, yeah, I, I had them finishing seventh. Um, mm. that was a rough, rough prediction. I thought they were going <laughs> to, they were going to kick on. They've got, they made some great signings. I think they do have some injury issues. Coutinho, Diego, Diego they Carlos, do. I think tore his Achilles. Um, yeah. So, you know, some On key, his debut. Yeah. So some key players missing, but they've been woeful. Um, Villa Park feels, it feels like, even though we've had such a great record there, um, it feels like a big game now, and I think that's all because of Grealish. Because we've started this little mini feud with well, <laughs> Villa started this little mini feud with City on online, and now it just feels like a bigger yeah. game than it is. But if Jack Grealish didn't exist, this would just be another nothing game to me. Is it, is the best I can say. That's interesting. That's interesting because for me, I I have them in a sort of category. Along with, do you know those, those sort of those, those typically English stadiums? And it it may add add up to something. It may not add up to something. And I, I don't know. But those typically English stadiums where it's it's close to the pitch, it's intense. There are club like Nottingham Forest, as much as they like to bang on about it, with with rich history. And it's there for me. Someone like Leeds, Forest, Aston Villa. Um, there's a couple in there too. But but whereas for someone like I know City have got to go to Bournemouth and they may go on and lose this game, but but somewhere like Bournemouth or Norwich, or, they're just not on that sort of same calibre. Whereas at a stadium like that with with a fan base like that, almost anything can happen on the right day. I well, don't know if that's something you the Soviet to. Union had a rich history and they don't exist anymore. So who gives a fuck what <laughs> happened before the cell phone was invented? Uh, honestly, like I I couldn't care less about these clubs. Yeah. That I I have I have utmost respect for these great clubs with great heritage, yeah. and they did a lot back before the cell phone was invented. But it's 2022. Other teams are winning now. You're not, and just because your great grandfather got to see a a player wearing shorts all the way up around his balls <laughs> kick a ball into the back of the net to win a cup in the 1940s. 1940s doesn't mean that you now get some some like extra respect or we've got to bow down to you on match day like i i couldn't care less about any of this honestly like the most annoying thing in the world to me is these clubs that are have been irrelevant for decades irrelevant for decades but hold this thing over you that they probably Mm -hmm. didn't experience themselves in person none of us got to witness neither you or i didn't witness it so who cares about it who cares? Aston Villa one, Manchester City nil confirmed <laughs> Saturday <laughs> afternoon. I, I didn't mean I didn't mean it in that sense. I, I do I do find no. It this is this is a like real button for me. I've got yeah, a, I've got a tell. couple of football buttons, and one of them is this is one of them. This is maybe the biggest button. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm just a byproduct of the English media. You see, I've just been spoon fed these these historical these historical uh, facts throughout my entire. What I meant was um, the atmosphere can sort of it can be good. It can be a, a rough place to go if the but, atmosphere. But gets has up. it? Name the last. Well, what's we'll the, what's the last time we went there 
And I, I can't think of the last time we went there and I felt, ooh, this is rough. I've got some stats for you. I see, well, at least some of us do our research. Um, much like the QPR game, we'll move on and, and we'll leave that little segment behind and we'll get back to our usual <laughs> professional selves. Um, much like the QPR game, for obvious reasons, this is a fixture that now is going to be synonymous with that final day. Um, obviously, that was at the Etihad. This is at Villa Park. Of their last five visits to Villa Park, Adam, how many do you think City have won? Uh, five. Yeah. And correct. I bet the aggregate um, score is is been run up. Well, I've I've not quite got that far. Well, at least some of us do it. our research. <laughs> well, have you got that? No, just go ahead and so. speak for a while so that I can look it up. <laughs> um, but but City's to, to sort of really further strengthen your point. City's last defeat away to Aston Villa came in the 2013-14 season. I remember. I remember a Mateo Nastasic howler that mm. day. Just let I, I can't remember the Villa player in, but it was it was a rough game. But um, you know, you are right. City have an extremely strong record there. I think it is one of those places, I, I, I will keep repeating it, if you score early, then it's a completely different game. If you allow a team like Aston Villa and they're having a terrible, terrible time of it, it could be, genuinely could be, a make-or-break situation for Steven Gerrard. Does that play into Aston Villa's hands or does it act as a, a, a sort of to their detriment, especially if that high-energetic crowd I've just waxed lyrical about starts to turn on the plays and starts to turn on the management, which against West Ham, I believe, there was booing at full time in the weekend just gone. So how do you see this this game playing out? I know you're probably going to say City win 9-0 and, and it's all rosy, but is there any jeopardy? Can you see any? Can even you, the, the biggest uh, the biggest anti-villain of the villains, see any jeopardy in this fixture upcoming? Uh, by the way, the aggregate score of the last five games at Villa Park, all competitions was 16-4. to I did really quick Villa, math in yeah. a really difficult chart to look at here, but I think it was 16-4 to four City in the last five games so, at yeah. Villa Park. Um, Close encounters. Yeah. Do I see jeopardy? Yeah, I do. I mean, uh, there's a reason I picked them to finish in the top half of the table because I think they have some quality players. Um, so it's the kind of team that, Yes, they're down in 19th, I believe, right now. But it's the kind of team that has enough quality that if they have a good night, they can threaten you. We saw Mm, that at the Etihad. They had a good night. City had a bad night. And it went really, really wrong for 75 minutes. Um, There's every chance in the world that could happen. Do I see that happening with the trending form of both teams right now? No. Do I see City going there and running up the score? No. Um, But if City play another methodical controlled game like they did against Forest, then they should run out winners and probably easy winners. It, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. We're going to do the last part of this podcast. We'll be looking at City's final squad, even though the window hasn't shut. But I know there's quite strong reports. Douglas Louise, formerly of Manchester City, of course. Well, not formerly of City. I don't think he ever played a game, but formerly of on the books of City, could be heading out. Where whether that's to someone like Liverpool or Atletico Madrid waits to be seen. But they could have a very different squad by then and a much weaker squad. So it'll be one to watch. Um, for me, what will be interesting about this game is is the is the rotation because obviously it's the first game of September, but it feels like this is now 
properly where the season starts in terms of all the different competitions coming into play. I'm going to quickly read out what City's September to October schedule looks like, starting with Villa on Saturday, which is the 3rd of September. Um, 6th of September, Sevilla away. 10th of September, Spurs at home. 14th of September, Dortmund at home. 17th of September, Wolves away. Then, Everybody's favourite news, an international break in between. And this is where it gets really, really cramped. Um, 2nd of October, United at home. 5th of October, Copenhagen at home. 8th of uh, of October, Southampton at home. 11th of October, Copenhagen away. 16th of October, Liverpool away. 20th of October, which I think has been moved to the 19th now, Arsenal away. 22nd of October, Brighton at home. 25th of October, Dortmund away. 29th of October, Leicester away. I'm knackered reading that out. That's a lot of football in not a long time. Um. Yeah, my question would be: How different is this to a normal, uh, the normal autumn months with Champions League football? Yeah, I'd say I'd say very different because usually it's Champions League match week, two week break. No, sorry, but Champions is it League though? Because don't week, we normally yeah. have domestic cups on the off weeks of oh, having Champions League? Oh, only only so City would go into the domestic cup in round three, which is usually mid September. Then there'd be round four in October. Then there'd be, uh, I think there's two, uh, three, two or three rounds in between September and October. Then it's the quarterfinals. So usually it'd be Champions League, midweek break, Champions League, midweek break, Champions League, et cetera, et cetera. Right. This year it's Champions League, Champions League, midweek break, Champions League, Champions League, midweek break, Champions League, Champions League. So it is, it is much, con- it's much tighter. And I think in that October run, October looks, looks nutty. Yeah. Yeah, in that October run, I'm 90% sure in saying there's not one midweek break. It's game, Yeah, game, it doesn't game, look game, like game. it. Um, so. Yeah, it's not great. Um, it might be a month and a half period in which I agree with Jurgen Klopp on something. <laughs> that's, that's really all I can say. It, it's going yeah. to be horrible. Um, it's a good thing that City don't have a thin squad. Which moves us on to our next segment. How nice! Look, <laughs> we're working in tandem today. Um, yeah. So, what are we half an hour in? We'll wrap up with a chat about City's depth, and we're actually going to go through each position and rank and grade that depth. Um, by the time this hits your ears, City may or may not have secured the signing of Manuel Akanji from Borussia Dortmund. We'll start with that Swiss international defender. 27 years old, mm-hmm. I want to say. Yeah, um, I'm getting a nod. So, yeah, 27 years old, experienced Champions League, international defender. Um, thoughts? I think this is an incredible signing. You know, this is a guy that when he was in his early 20s was kind of the next big thing. Um, mm. And yeah. it's unfortunate for him that he went to Borussia Dortmund as the next step in his, in his career because <laughs> at the time it was probably the correct move, but ever since... Probably since yeah. Tuchel left that club, it's been an absolute shit show, and they've had no tactical identity. Um, yeah. And all- I'll, ju- I'll just quickly jump in on that Dortmund. Yeah. It's not a bad choice going to Dortmund. It's a bad choice sticking around for as long as he did. Yeah, because we've seen with Haaland, we've seen with Sancho, we've seen with hopefully Bellingham. You go there for a couple of seasons, fantastic place to play football. But when you go past that three-year mark, ouch. Yeah, um, he's had a bit of an injury history, but who hasn't at Borussia Dortmund? We've talked about that. <laughs> 
on the pod. They've got a long history of not taking care of players. Um, I put out on Twitter yesterday that judging Borussia Dortmund defenders um, at this given moment is like judging Manchester United defenders. They are class players everywhere else they play, and then they go to Manchester United, and they are absolutely horrible. Um, So I'm going to hold any sort of judgments on him until I see him playing elsewhere. Hopefully that's at City. But for the money with a thin squad, um, and and that money for anybody who doesn't know, looks like it's going to be with the add-ons and stuff somewhere between 15 million to 20 million pounds. Um, That's Mm -hmm. pennies for a Champions League level defender. That's pennies. Um, So a depth signing, I have no complaints. Like genuinely, I have no complaints. And I was pleasantly surprised to wake up to that news yesterday morning. Yeah, yeah, it, it was weird. I was sat in a in a cafe in Cheadle, which is the sort of the closest village. Not that it matters. We have a lot of international viewers who don't even know they don't even know what Cheadle is. Um, but I, I was sat in a cafe, which is the most important bit. And I was sipping on my coffee, and it came through on on Twitter. And I was like, "Wait, is it?" I had to go on it. Do you know when you see news like that? And see you, if it's you, a you spoof it's account. Some, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I've I, I've more than anyone have fallen for that quite a few times. But but no, it it was real. I mean, what I will say is quotes from Guardiola tonight. On the on the time we're recording, so that the the, uh, the immediately after the Forest game, we're saying that we'll try and make it happen as much as we can. Which, whether or not that was a translation issue or, or I don't know, you can never really tell the the tone and whatnot. You may have been joking, like we'll try and make it happen, guys. You know, taking the piss, or whether or not it was genuinely there's still a lot to do. This could render meaningless if City don't get it across the line. Um, but. But in terms of the play itself, I mean, I com- I completely agree with everything you're saying. You you look at City's squad and you, and you look at the positions that are, are sort of most in need of depth. Centre back isn't exactly the one that screams out at you. But then when you consider Nathan Ake's had a new number of injuries in terms of the last few seasons, he, he's never a player who can stay really fit, which is a shame because I I could see a world in where he sort of is up there with City's best centre halves if he was fit. Um, and then obviously Laporte news today that he could be out until early October, which in a World Cup year is less than ideal, especially when you consider he'll be back for 10 games or so, then then he'll be flying off to Qatar. Well, I think that's He's probably what's, that's... what spurred this on. Yeah. I, yeah, I think yeah, this yeah, was a domino yeah. effect. I, I think we got the Laporte news after the Akanji news, but I think internally yeah. the Laporte news came first. 100%. And I'm glad you said that because I think anybody who isn't seeing this as a sort of not a, not emergency signing because it's a player who City would have had. I think me and you spoke about this yesterday on, on a private call, but it, it's a player who would have been scouted um, relentlessly. And even going back to summer when someone like Nathan Ake was was looking like he could be leaving, I wouldn't be surprised if personal t- uh, personal terms were agreed back then. And it was just a case of right, let's speak to the club now. Um, it isn't it isn't something that's planned. I saw a few people saying, you know, this you know how, the, the City have been keeping this one quiet. I think it's more a case of they've looked at the, the the treatment table and gone, yeah, shit, we might need someone. But then also you look at it from a tactical point of view, City in possession. Uh, not just this season, but but a number of seasons before. But it feels like more this season are really really comfortable in that three at the back. It could be a case of if we start seeing three centre half play more, and and we know from his time with uh, by Munich um, just how much Pep Borussia Guardiola, Dortmund. Uh, no, Pep at Bayern. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, you keep your mouth shut and let me do <laughs> let me do the work. Uh, but yeah, we know from Pep's time at right, Bayern okay. Munich just how much he likes to play 
a back three. And it's never really been the case at City. They've never really had the right tools, but but this could be a case when all centre-halves are fit that finally, for the first time since, what, 2017-18, we probably see it in a, in a Manchester City game. And it worked well in 2017-18. Um, he, um, yeah. he, he who shall not be named uh, was probably the catalyst for that back three. And when you consider now that City have another wide left back with a left foot. Um, (laughs) I think there is very much a world in which, especially right now, given the Laporte injury and the Ake injury, I think there's very much a world in which Cancelo plays on the right, Gomez plays on the left, Kyle Walker plays as a center back in a three. I think there's very much a world in which that happens because – you can't really look at that and say, oh, five defenders, you're losing some attacking impetus because Cancelo and Gomez going forward are two midfielders going forward, essentially attacking yeah. midfielders. So, um, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the addition of a kanji, meaning that I think there's going to be a huge domino effect here. I think the addition of a kanji, meaning that a back three is now an option because of the cover we have at center back, that Kyle Walker now becomes an auxiliary center back. And Gomez maybe mm. becomes more of a starter, maybe not in the bigger games, but I think if we had played Forrest at home two weeks from now, I think we very much could have seen maybe Gomez starting on the left and Cancelo on the right. And um, I was going to say, yeah, Kyle Walker at centre half. I think it's three games, in, if you include the Barcelona friendly, that we've seen Kyle Walker yeah. play at centre half at some point. Yeah, that's not a well. coincidence. So it's clearly, yeah, it's clearly something that's being put in the works. What I will say, I've seen. We'll move on slightly in a second, but what I will say is on a Kanji, I've seen a few people saying that he can play right back, he can play left back. He's played right back, yeah. but that was under Lucien Favre at Borussia Dortmund. Now, if you watched any car crash. of Lucien Favre's football, car crash doesn't do it justice. It was an avalanche. It was horrific. It was awful. And you mentioned some of the injuries. A few Dortmund uh, people I follow were saying it was a case of him being overused at right back that caused the injury. So definitely a really interesting signing. I guess whilst we're on the topic of of centre half, so we'll start use it as our starting point for our grade in the depth. If it is to come true uh, with a Kanji, five centre halves, more than enough cover, really, isn't it going forward? Yeah. So before I give it a grade, I feel like we should discuss our grading scale here because are we going? Okay, are we you, going? I've not, at, actually, I've not heard this. Are we going out of ten? Because I think there's a US UK uh, break here Discrepancy. in yeah. Because I ours is. Our like in school grading system is A B C D F. F being the worst, A being the best. A B C D F. Yeah, yeah, yeah we have that. I mean, it's for younger, very, very much younger viewers right. or listeners. Sorry, it has changed the numbers. But when I grew up, I had A star, A, B, C, D, E, then U, which was I think F. It's all very confusing. So should we, we just can, go we out of ten? No, we could, you know what we'll, we'll we'll use. I don't think I'm going to go. We'll I don't use... think I'm going to go lower than a C on anything, anyways. So yeah, it'll be yeah. fine. So yeah, yeah. So I think I think the A B C D etc is universal. So I think I think we're we're covered okay. for that one. Yeah. All right. So center back depth. I'm gonna I'm gonna give this grade with the assumption that a kanji comes in because yeah, I, think I think that's I think that that's Pep's smart. comments were just playing it safe. The, there was multiple reports that he was having a medical today. Yeah, um, yeah. Assuming he passes that, I, I bet he'll be a city player by tomorrow morning. Um, so, with a kanji, 
Stones, Diaz, Laporte, and Ake, when fully fit, I'm going to give that an A. I think that's the the best depth we have at any position. Yeah, yeah, and certainly, I mean, it's adding another body in there. It's hard to argue with that. What I will say, though, is if, if the free at the back does come true, that sort of depth naturally drops because more players at once are being used. And obviously you, you factor in Kyle Walker in, in that sort of centre-half and you've got like five and a half centre-halves, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm completely with you. I think even then it's it's up there with as good a depth of City have had since, God, I don't know, at centre-half. It's always been a perennial problem for City prior to sort of uh, Ruben Diaz's arrival and, and Laporte as well, um, I will say. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Okay, goalkeepers then, which we'll we'll do pretty quickly because I don't think there's much to say about this. Obviously, Zach Stefan out, Stefan Ortega in, competent signing, only going to be a backup for me. I mean, one takeaway I've got aside from Haaland, et cetera, et cetera, so far this season is that Ortega's here to take Edison's spot has as just completely ceased to exist because that was, well, it, it was bollocks to start off with and it's bollocks still now. And, and we'll wait and see when the cup games come along, if he gets minutes in the Champions League and whatnot. But he, he seems a competent backup and, and yeah, just keeping that squad a little bit fresh. Uh, yeah, he seems like a fine backup. Um, probably a little bit of a cooler head than, than Zach Steffen. Um, not from a temper point of view, just from a poise in, in the match. Um, and yeah, I'd mm. give that, I would give that another A, the goalkeeping depth. I mean, yeah, Scott Carson too. Yeah. It, it's the best position on the pitch, isn't it? Um, midfield, this could be the most contentious one, I feel, because the squad, uh, the, the squadron, the current squad list reads Rodri De, Boy, uh, De Bruyne, Gundogan, Bernardo Silva, Calvin Phillips, then you've got the likes of Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, etc., who can possibly play in that position. But I feel if City are going to struggle at any point this season with particular depth, it's probably a lack of midfielders that could cost City a little bit. I mean, it's all going swimmingly now, but touch what it doesn't happen. But one or two injuries, and suddenly that's looking a little bit, a little bit light. Yeah, this is where I I start to have some beef with the discussion around City's depth because. I don't think it's fair to say that, oh, they're fine because Jack Grealish, Phil Foden can play there. That's not that that that's not how depth works. Depth for yeah. me, when I consider depth, I'm essentially looking at um, you know, when we speak about like a second eleven, so to speak, you can't be yeah. using any players from the first eleven in the second eleven just in a different position. It doesn't work. That's not how depth works. Mm. So for me, the depth at midfield is Rodri, Gundogan, Phillips, De Bruyne, and that's it, right? Nobody else? Because James McAtee is gone, Tommy Doyle is gone, there's nobody, yeah. there's nobody else. And then we're talking, you know, Claudio Gomez or somebody somebody else coming up from the um, under-23s. So on quality alone, it can't be lower than a B. Um, but you're right that if we get – if two if two players go down, we've already got one player out right now in, in Phillips. If mm. two players go down, um, then we're talking no rotation for the midfield, or we're talking Cole Palmer then has to come and play in in mm. either in midfield or in the front three to allow somebody like Grealish or Foden to come and play in midfield. So uh, I'm going to go with a really high B, a B plus, as we would say here. I think you <laughs> think you said star. Is that what it's called there? 
Yeah, you'd, you'd only get A star. Okay. Then it'd be A, B, C, D, etc. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm going to be. I, I completely agree. You you only have footballers who sort of have played that position and will play that position. I'm going to chuck Phil Foden in there as a half player because me more than you would have seen him play there for England. And I mean, you could stick Phil Foden at centre half. Oh, I and I still want him to play in midfield. That no, I get, for yeah, me, I get that is mean. still his yeah. long term position. I just don't consider him there as part of the depth because. I think he's the automatic. Him and Holland are the two automatic picks in the front three. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, for the, for me, then I, I suppose it is going to be a case of agreeing. I, I do think it's a B. Do I push it down to a C purely because I'm looking at it and it's five senior players fitting in three positions, and that's well at the moment it's four senior players fitting in three positions, and that is is getting sort of slimmer and slimmer. Um, you know what? Yeah, yeah. I see. I think if if City were going to add another body in there, then it it be necessary. And I think if if things do get a little bit hairy, then then that could be really. A, 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 you look at Liverpool's struggles so far this season in midfield, for example, and they're already clamouring for another player to be added there. It only takes two injuries, and suddenly, not a crisis, but a big, big problem. Yeah, absolutely. And it's worth mentioning that. This January window is going to be a summer window. It's going to be treated like a summer window. We're going to see yeah. we're going to see a ton of movement this January because of the mm. World Cup because there will be players who do well in the World Cup and get moves. There will be players that get injured in the World Cup and therefore going into the back half of the season clubs are going to have to replace them. Um, so it's it's worth mentioning that this is probably not this squad, I'll put my neck out on the line right now and say this squad is not the squad we finish the season with. I think there will still be mm. movement in January. So whatever the worries are right now, I think there's still some room for improvement in a depth area. Um, but yeah, we'll go with a B for the midfield. Well, you, you say that. the reports this week, obviously, that, I mean, it, it usually is the case. You hear it and it never usually uh, transpires. But that Guardiola is going to give an X amount of money to play with in January. Does that worry you in a sense? I know, I know again, taps the sign, World Cup year, it's all going to be very much different. But twofold here, buying in January for me, Barlaport and um, Riyad Mahrez usually doesn't exactly work. I know Mahrez was, was the summer. City tried to buy him in, yeah, the, yeah, in yeah. the January window, didn't they? Um, it, I just have that vision of him at the Etihad <laughs> with Leicester sulking because he, he wasn't given the move. Um, but yeah, so Laporte is, for me, probably the only real success story in terms of a January signing. And then you add in the fact that it's post-World Cup as well, which notoriously is a terrible, terrible place to do business based off tournament performances because international football is so different does that worry you a little bit? Would you have rather had someone like Mateus Nunes come in or Lucas Pacata or someone like that now? And then you've got that covered further down the line. Yeah, I would prefer that. But I also don't think City aren't foolish. They're not They're not going to go signing the next Thomas Rodriguez. Um, so <laughs> I, I would have full confidence in City making a January signing. And, and I think Laporte is a prime example of that because City don't, they don't react in the transfer market. They're totally proactive in the transfer market. So if they mm. get to January and Omar Barada and Cheeky Bergerstein say, you know what, we need um, we need one more winger, we need one more central midfielder. They're like like Akanji, 
they're already going to have players scouted. They're already going to have a list of players that say, right, we know this player's personality. We know how he's going to fit into the squad. We know what Pep thinks of him, blah, 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 blah. And I, I don't look at, I would never look at City signing a player in January as, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not emergency signings, but like I would never consider it panic buying. Because I think mm, yeah. I think a January window for City is an extension of the summer. If they're doing business in January, it's it's still just as pre-planned as the summer. It just maybe didn't happen for whatever reason in the summer. So no, that wouldn't worry me at all. I mean, you see, you look at somebody like Luis Diaz. You make a right signing and they fit mm. right in, and it's a huge boost to you um, for the back end of the season. So no, I I wouldn't be worried. All I'm saying is Isco's only thirty years old. Where is he even now? Sevilla, right? He's at Sevilla, yeah. yeah. He's at Sevilla. So, you know, he could get back into the Spain squad. Good World Cup. When's his birthday? Uh, 21st of April. So he's 30 until April. I mean, you know, he could do a job, couldn't he? Maybe not. Mm. Um, forwards then, forwards. Um, obviously, some play different positions and some will play across the front three. Some will play in, in one position, a la Haaland. Um, but but here's here's what we're working with at the moment, heading into the heading into deadline day and the window shut in. Um, obviously, the new arrivals, Erling Haaland, Julian Alvarez, Riyad Mahrez, Cole Palmer, Grealish, Foden, and Bernardo Silva so far this season has played there, so we can chuck him in there too. That seems, for me... I know there's been a lot of issues, and, and we've got a question actually in a, in a second about the forward line. But that seems to me quite a lot of bodies. I yeah, I I actually think this is an A because an A yeah because I would be I, I think what we've had in the past has been a bloated squad, and you look at players like Raheem Sterling and Gabriel Jesus who move on because they're unhappy, and you're talking about adding. Any any other more any any more bodies into this front three depth, and we're probably going to have a bloated squad again. And there's going to be mm. players who are too good to be sitting on the bench that will be sitting on the bench. Riyad Mahrez is too good to be sitting on the bench every week, and he's doesn't look like he's in the the you know first eleven at the moment. So um, I think this is an A. I think you know if we break it down by position. I think you've got two players that I would fully trust to play in every position. I think your right wing depth is, for me, Riyad Mahrez is the best right winger. Uh, Cole Palmer is probably the number two. Through the middle, Holland, Alvarez, easy money. On the left, Grealish, Foden, easy money. You've got multiple players who have multiple uh, sets of skills, sets of traits, in every single position, I've got no complaints. I know that some people felt like we let Raheem Sterling and Gabriel Jesus go unreplaced. Not true. We replaced them with Erling Holland and Julian Alvarez. Yeah. So our numbers in the in the front three haven't changed from last year. They're the exact same. So if you if you thought that City had good numbers last year, then you must think they have good numbers this year because they are quite mm. literally identical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think as well, it's it's sometimes different when someone like Cole Palmer comes through, and it's not so you don't have the the glitz and glamour of a of a Fabio uh, Fabio Fabrizio Romano. Here we go, etc. You know, you don't have that sort of that sort of buzz around a new signing. It's literally one day he's in the squad, and that's it. Um, but yeah, exactly. I mean, you you look at those look at those names, and, and it's just the the profiles, the difference in profiles for me is what strikes me. 
And I guess one of the biggest problems, or, or sorry, one of the biggest concerns heading into the summer was the fact that City let the profile of winger go in Raheem Sterling and, and a similar one in Gabriel Jesus. In fact, we've got a sort of tongue-in-cheek question from Manai J. Um, so how is City coping with all the runners and unique profiles gone in Sterling and Jesus? Maybe by asking everyone to come forward. It, it does seem like that sort of worry about City not having enough pace and attack, which... Granted, there wasn't a 100-metre sprinter in attack, but if you're looking at Erling Haaland and going, there's no pace in attack, then you need to try a new sport. Yeah, and and like you said, that question is tongue-in-cheek, but I'm going to answer it honestly and seriously. City don't need pace. They don't. They've got lethal goal scorers now from midfield, in attack, on the wing. Mm. So... Well, I'm not sure, you know, we're not Liverpool. We don't need to play hoof ball. Mm. Okay. We're going to pin, <laughs> we're going to pin teams in deep and control the game, <laughs> carve out opportunities. And <laughs> let me finish my sentence, please. We're going <laughs> to carve out opportunities by playing balls in between the channels, in the lines. And we're seeing exactly how City are going to win games this year. If you thought City were going to be, not dimensional enough in attack. Tell me why they've scored six, four, three, fifteen goals this 19, season. Nineteen, fifteen, fifteen goals in four games. You tell me why City need more dimension in their attack. It's not. It's not been four games. It's been five. Five games. Yeah. Is it fifteen? Is it fifteen? Could hold be. On, I, I, we might need to call nineteen. On, need, it's nineteen. We might need Manuel Akanji for the math here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's 19. I told you. All right, even better. It's proving my point even more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, pause. What's (laughs) hoofball? What is the term? Hoofball. What did I say? (laughs) Hoofball. I'm I'm having that now. I'm having that as hoofball. Is that that how? I'm trying to think. Is that how I would pronounce H O double H O O F? Hoof. Yeah, a hoof. Like a like a uh That's even worse. Yeah, that's how I pronounce it. <laughs> right, right. Like a dog well, a I, dog I says woof. A dog says woof, not woof. Oh uh, wait, well, we're not we're getting into semantics of the English language here. Um right. Yeah. I mean, it's an A. It has to be an A, doesn't it? It, it can't be anything other than an A. Even if it was just Erling Haaland and Pete the Badge, then it'd be an A. But it's mm. Erling Haaland and Julian Alvarez and Riyad Mahrez who has had a slow start to the season, but don't forget, he was one of City's best performers for a number of seasons the last two years or so. And, and you know, really clutch moments, Bernabeu away, Signal Aduna Park, penalties, etc. Really, really big moments for City. And, and he was the one performing. Um, Cole Palmer, Grealish, Foden, Bernardo, etc. It's nothing other than an A, I think. So it, it, it's essentially what we're, we're getting to across it is, across the board, it's a very strong squad, but... If there's any asterisks, it's that midfield, and and it is a case of sort of tying the whole episode together. That schedule, that September, October, November. If City get through that and get to January, and then have a little bit of a spending spree, you're looking at an extremely well balanced squad. Yeah, and the issue is that a, an injury crisis in midfield, or even an injury crisis in the front three, just takes away from other areas on the pitch because. It's not like mm. City will be going into their academy to deal with an injury crisis. It will be putting players out of position like we've seen, you know, Fernandinho playing right back and center back last year. 
um, and, and things like that. So, you know, if you've got an injury crisis on the right wing, we're going to see Bernardo Silva go out there. If you've got an injury crisis at center forward, we're going to see, you know, the false nine deployed again. And it's just going to take away depth from other places. So, um, but yeah, I mean, going into the season, we thought it would be really thin and we've got what an A, 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 B in the four, uh, three A's and a B in our four different uh, areas of the pitch. So you can't really argue with that. You'd be happy with them with your end of year grades, wouldn't you? Yeah. In school. Yeah. So, I, well, uh, I, we certainly, we I certainly would have. I wouldn't be a struggling <laughs> football journalist if I had if I had done better. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great place to wrap. Um, have you anything else to add? I mean, what are we on now? This is the second episode of the week. I'll add. I'll do the soppy stuff. Big thanks to everyone for the massive support. I mean, we're, we're less than a year into this project and I thought it'd be my dad and a couple of other people listening, but, but you know, we're having incredible, incredible interactions and, and making friends along the way. So loving that. Keep it up. If you if you want to tell people about us, then, you know, we'll be, we'll, we'll take that in. We'll be happy about that. And, and yeah, uh, plenty, plenty more where this came from over the next few weeks. So yeah, superb stuff. Anything else for you to add? No, I echo everything you just said. It's been, um, really surprising that's all i'll say Mm. it's been really surprising how much people enjoy (laughs) us yeah well enjoy maybe doing a lot of heavy lifting there we don't know maybe maybe they just listen to laugh at us we'll wait and see um yeah superb obviously i've been i've been amos murphy you've been adam booker follow us on twitter as well yeah come come and ask us some questions that'll be great um tell us what tell us get on twitter give us a voice note and tell us what a dog says Is it it's woof not, or it's is it woof? Huffball. It's not hoofball. That's what I'm going to do if, now. It's if it's woof, in the then UK. it's if it's woof, then it's hoof. I'm calling an end to this nonsense. This has been the City Report podcast, and until next time, see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.